0: Well, if you have your Bibles or U-Version app, uh, we're going to be in uh, Psalm 63 this morning. Psalm 63. And as you're turning there, uh, they say that the first few months of marriage are an interesting time. And and I tend to agree with that. Uh, You know, those first few months of marriage, you know, maybe you've been dating for a while, engaged for a while, but... You get married and, and you seem to learn new things about your spouse, right, like maybe something that man i 've known you for a while, and then all of a sudden this is different this is new i don 't know this side of you, but it 's fun to learn and uh, see new sides, and even you know maybe if in those first few months you have a few arguments you you learn through those things. The first year of marriage, or the first few months of marriage it 's an interesting time, and i would tend to agree, because I know what that's like. You know, uh, Kay and I, we were uh, married in uh, June in 2010, and, uh, you know, it was a fun time. We were learning new things about each other, and then August came, and she was still a student at Ozark. I had graduated in May of 2010, and we were in a ministry that we didn't want to leave and so uh she had a friend in Joplin her class was all her classes were all week and so she's like well I can stay with a friend in Joplin and I did not much care for this because we got married in June and in August she was going to be going back to school so I would see her Monday during the day and then Friday during the evening and Saturday and Sunday and we did this all the way through December and I just uh I remember just, you know, being the kid, like the kid who was like, I don't think I like this very much. I don't think I like this. And it was hard. It was hard because uh, you're trying to learn and you're trying to uh, learn these new things. And then all of a sudden, we have school that she had to go and deal with. And I remember just hating the feeling. I would love it when she would come back on Friday, but I would hate it on Mondays knowing, hey, you're getting ready to go back to school. And it was hard because I just, I wanted to be near her, right? Like we had just been married, I just wanted to be near her. And I say that because Psalm 51 is a psalm about confession. It's David pouring out his heart after the mistake he made, confessing his sin before God, asking God for forgiveness. Psalm 40 is a psalm all about God's help, You've helped me through all of these things. You've been with me through all of these things. And I know that you'll be with me again. Because of what you've done, I can turn to you for help. I can go to you because I know you'll be there. Psalm 47, it's a call to to praise, a call to praise God because of what He's done in our lives. He has done so much for us that our only response in front of God is to praise Him for everything that He's done for us, to, to thank Him for His love, to thank Him for His grace, His mercy, His forgiveness for everything He's done. Our desire should be to praise Him. And then Psalm 63, it's a psalm of longing. David is longing. He's longing to be near God. He is longing to be with God. He wants nothing more to be with God. And so this morning as we look at this psalm of longing, we can learn about the importance of whom we long for. And so, in Psalm 63, you know, a few weeks ago when we were in Psalm 51, we talked about the headers of the psalm can be an important part of the psalm itself because it gives you a little bit of background. And in Psalm 63, we see that this is a psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. The background to this, it comes in 2 Samuel, really 2 Samuel chapters 13-19, through 19, but for this one, 2 Samuel 15, David is in the desert because he's fled from Absalom. He's had some issues with his son. And and in uh, chapter 15 of 2 Samuel, we see Absalom. He's uh, winning the hearts of the people and he's starting this revolt. And David tells his officials, we're going to have to flee or he will overtake us. And so he flees and he goes into the desert. And while he's in the desert, he thinks about the situation he's in. And he compares it to this longing that he has for God. And so we're going to start in uh, Psalm 63, verse 1. And it says this, it says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. And so we see him start with this phrase, earnestly I seek you. And actually, uh, this is really translated in most uh, texts as early, early I seek you. Isaiah understood this, Isaiah 26, 9. My soul yearns for you in the night, in the morning my spirit longs for you. Early in the day, David is seeking God. He's thinking about God early in his day. And, you know, that's a good question for us to ask. How long into our day is it when we finally start to seek God? How long into our day is it when we start to to look and to seek out God? You know, some of you, maybe your morning routine is you can't do anything until you've had that first cup of coffee. Everything is going to have to wait until after that first cup of coffee. But then the problem is, is you have that first cup of coffee and then you got to get the kids ready for school and you got to make sure they get sent out and then you got to go to work and and all these busy things happen and you start to realize, man, where in the day did I make an effort to seek out God? And I get it, we're busy and, and all these things are going on. But if I were to ask you to be honest, how many of you, the first thing you do in the morning, pull out your phone and check the Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, one of those things? How quick into our day is it when we finally seek out God? And then David says, "I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there's no water. Think about it. David is in the desert. There's no water. It's dry. He's probably thirsty. And he's, as he's thinking about this thirst, as he's thinking about the situation that he is currently in, he compares it to the way he thirsts for God's presence. As I'm thirsty for water, as I'm, I'm craving that, that water that can satisfy this thirst I have, it reminds me of my soul and, and just how much I need God's presence in my life. My soul is dried up, it's parched, it needs God. God. He's thinking about that outwardly. He thirsts for water, but in his soul he thirsts for God. He longs for God, that, that, that living water that can quench that thirst in his soul. Now, I'm going to be honest with you this morning, and, and this is probably going to be a hot take, and it might be confusing because I have some here on this podium, but I'll be real honest with you. I don't like water. I don't like water. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of water. Usually if I'm going to drink water, it has to be like sparkling and with flavor in it. Like I'm just uh, not a big water fan. And I'll be honest, I can't taste the difference in it. If you put two bottles of water, Dasani Aquafina, I couldn't taste a single bit of difference. But I do know there are some water lovers who could tell you, oh yes, there is a difference in all of these different types of water. And I could tell you what is different about them i'm just not a big water fan but i'll tell you this been outside mowing the yard the little teeny bit that i have i'm mowing and it's hot it feels like a desert outside and i take that little bit of water and it just satisfies that that you know my mouth is dry my throat is parched David is in this desert. There's no water. And yet, as he's thinking about this, he thinks, Man, my soul is longing to to be satisfied that thirst that can only come from God. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in this dry and parched land. Then in verse 2, he says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Part of the reason he thirsts for the presence of God is because he's experienced the presence of God. When you've mowed and you've experienced in the past or if you've done any work out in the heat and you've experienced in the past that, that water that can satisfy that thirst you have, When you've experienced that, you want that again. If you've mowed or you've done any yard work and you've known in the past you've drank water and it's helped, you want that again. And so for David, he wants that presence in his life again. He's experienced it in the past, in the sanctuary, in the temple. He has seen the power and glory of God. And as he moves further and further away from that, as he moves out into the desert, he doesn't forget what he's experienced He doesn't forget about the presence of God, and so he wants it more. He longs for it even more so. And so he goes into praise mode. He goes into praise mode, and in verse 3, he says this, Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Think about the situation that David is in here. He's in a desert, no water, it's parched. Of course, he's probably thinking, man, your love is better than life. Look at my life right now. I'm in a desert. I'm thirsty. It's hot. But think about this for a second. Without the love of God in David's life, that's all his life would be in that moment is a desert. No hope, no satisfaction, nothing. Without the love of God in his life, at least with the love of God in his life, he knows he has a reason to praise because he has seen the power of God and he knows that he will see the power of God again. Without the love of God in his life, life is just a desert to him. And the same thing can be said about our lives. Without the love of God in our life, our life is just a desert. And you know, we may find things that we can uh, satisfy our soul with for the moment, But guess what? Those things are eventually going to leave us thirsty again. They'll only leave us thirsty again. Love, Our life without God's love, it's just a desert. And it's just going to leave us parched and thirsty and longing for something again. And so David says, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will sing to you. I will praise you. I will make it known what you've done because of how good your love is. And then he says in verse 4, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. You see, this is what it's all about, what David is saying here. This is what life is all about. Life is all about bringing God praise. It's all about worshiping Him. Everything about our life should be praise to God. We should be building habits of praise in our life. Every single day, Our task, our goal, our job, our privilege is to bring God praise. We should be praising Him every single day for all that He's done for us, His provision, His mercy, His grace, His salvation at all times. We are to praise God when we are happy, when we are sad, when we are joyful, when we are hurting at all times. God is worthy of our praise. Psalm 150 verse 6 reminds us that that we are to Praise God because it says let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You have a breath this morning, you're here, you're breathing, and so that means you should praise the Lord. 1 Peter 2.9 tells us "But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Our job is to praise Him every single day. That is our goal, that is our task, to make sure that we praise Him. And then He says, In your name I will lift up my hands. This is the idea, it's an outward symbol of a heart that has been lifted up to God. And if our heart has been lifted up to Him, then our hands should also be lifted to praise Him. Then, in verse 5, He says this, I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods, With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. So this past Tuesday, uh, I had the privilege uh, to go to lunch with the retirees. I love getting to do that anytime I can hang out with the retirees. I I love learning from them and and hearing stories from them. Well, this past Tuesday, we went to lunch at J.L.'s Barbecue in Pryor. If you've never been to J.L.'s in Pryor, it is very good food. Great food, uh, I had had it in the past, and, and so that morning I knew what I was expecting, kind of. Uh, when I remember, I knew what I was expecting, and so I didn't eat much of a breakfast that morning. I didn't. Eat, I had a couple of donuts. I knew that these donuts were not going to leave me satisfied, and so I knew that by eleven eleven thirty that I would be hungry again, and so I, I was like, hey, I, I'm going to. Not eat heavy, so I can be satisfied by this meal that I'm going to get. I want to. I want to share a picture. I took a picture of the plate that I got. Will you look at that? <laughs> look at that. I forgot just how big the plate, and it was, it's great food. Great food. I felt satisfied after eating. Matter of fact, I felt satisfied for days because I had leftovers in the fridge too. And I know I maybe have just made a major mistake because you're looking at that picture and you're thinking it's time to wrap this up. It's. <laughs> It's just about lunchtime. Let's let's wrap this up and let's go eat. You know, I think of that and I think about man, I don't know if you've ever just been really hungry. Really hungry. Your stomach is growling. You you need something to eat. You're you're just hungry. And, and any, not just anything will do, right? Like just eating one little teeny thing that doesn't have any protein or any benefits, it's not going to satisfy it. But when you have that food that, that satisfies that hunger, it, it feels good to not have your stomach growling. And I think of that, and I think of David, just as the food that he eats, this, this satisfactory food it fills it nourishes the body the praising of god and god's presence in our life it does the exact exact thing for our souls it nourishes our souls i think of john 6 verse 35 then jesus declared i am the bread of life whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty in Him, we find nourishment for our soul. In Him, we find satisfaction for our soul. That is the only place that we can go to find that, that satisfaction for our soul, that thing that we need. It only can come from Him. And here's the thing, when we have that satisfaction, when we have God in our life, when He comes into our life and He, he gives us that satisfaction, it should result from us praise. It should result from his praise, and you have that really that really good meal. What do you do when you have that really good meal? You go tell people how good that meal was, right? Like I told you all about the fact that J.L. is a, has really good food. You should try their food. I don't get paid, by the way, to to promote J.L. Just letting you know. Just letting you know. But we tell people about experience, right? When we experience something, we tell people that should be the same thing when it comes to god when we have found that nourishment for our soul it should produce out of our lips praises it should produce out of our lips uh, this desire to tell people about him and then in verse six he says this on my bed i remember you i think of you through the watches of the night You see, David is so engrossed in his thoughts on God, he thinks about Him throughout the night. And in the Old Testament, uh, nights were divided into three watches. And so throughout these three watches, David is still awake, thinking on, meditating on, pondering on God. And you know, Scripture is great and it's worth repeating. And in Isaiah 26, verse 9, it says this, My soul yearns for you in the night, in the morning my spirit longs for you. We seek Him early in our day, and in the night we think on Him, we praise on Him, we meditate on Him, on who He is. In verse 7 and 8, it says this, Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you, your right hand upholds me. Because of who God is, how God has helped David, he clings to him. He clings to God because he knows that God is his strength, God is his refuge, God is everything that he needs. So he clings to him and he finds shelter in the shadow of his wings little bit of old testament history here for you in psalm 91 it says shelter those who dwell in the shelter of the lord well some bible uh, translations replace it as the secret place of the most high the secret place of the most high and what does this mean well in the old testament the jewish people associated god's presence with the holy of holies the holy of holies In the wilderness they had the tabernacle and later they eventually had the temple and in the temple there was this innermost chamber and only once a year would the high priest be allowed to come in and make atonement for the sins of the people. And in this sacred place, known as the Holy of Holies, is the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant would be covered by the mercy seat. This would be where God was enthroned and his holy presence would dwell among the people. And upon the mercy seats, there were two hammered gold cherubim angels with their wings overshadowing the Ark. And they would look down on the atonement cover with their wings spread above it, they would protect it. And there's a picture up here. This is what people believe the ark would look like. And you see these spread wings. And the Jews tied this to the, the presence of God, the glory of God, the power of God. Underneath those wings, they could find refuge, protection, and strength This was an imagery that David used quite a bit in the Psalms. In Psalm 17, 8, he says, Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. In Psalm 36, 7, he said, How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Psalm 57, 1. Have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me. For in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. And you see, today we know for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, we can abide under the wings of God in the protection of His presence because what Jesus has done for us because of that sacrifice that Jesus made, we can be in the presence of God. We can abide under the wings of his protection. And so he continues now, kind of turning his attention elsewhere a little bit in verses 9 through 11. He says, Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him, while the mouth of liars will be silenced david here kinds of takes a parallel view of him and his enemies you see david knows he will be rescued by god his path is upward towards him everything that david is trying to do is to move closer to the presence of god and he will be delivered he will be saved by god however his enemies are moving in the opposite direction they will be destroyed and they will not be with god but instead they will die by the sword, and while their bodies are left on the battlefield, they will become food for the jackals, for the animals. And while this has happened, David, or while this is happening, David will rejoice in the Lord for his deliverance. And he says, "All that swear by him will glory in him. They are faithful worshipers. No matter the circumstances of life, we find glory, we bring glory to our God. And while this is happening, the mouths of liars will be silenced. Those who try to stand against God, those who try to turn people away from the faith, those who spread lies, use their mouths. Their mouths will be closed. Proverbs 19.9, a false witness will not go unpunished, and whoever pours out lies will perish. You know, there's a lot of good stuff in Psalm 63. But I think the thing that David is making very clear in Psalm 63 is this. We should long for the presence of God. We should long for the presence of God. We should desire the presence of God. We should be obsessed with being in the presence of God. It should drive us, it should motivate us to be near God. That is what we should long for is His presence. But here's the question I want us to reflect on this morning. What is it that we long for? What is it that we actually long for? What are we truly longing for? Is it God? Is it God that we truly long for? Or maybe it's something else, maybe it's success. Maybe it's success that we long for. We want so badly to be successful in the things that the world calls success that it consumes us, it drives us, it motivates us. That's all we want is to be successful in the things that the world says is important. We want fancy cars, we want money, we want all these things. And it motivates us, it drives us. This longing to be successful. Maybe it's popularity that we long for. Think about the world we live in right now. We live in a social media age. We do. And so what do we live for? What do we strive for? What do we desire? Likes and follows. Right? That's what we're obsessed with. I want people to like my tweets. I want people to like the videos I post. I want people to like all of this content I'm creating. And that drives us and it motivates us and it pushes us. But that's all we desire. And maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, man, I'm glad I'm not on social media. But here's the thing. Social media doesn't keep people from wanting to be popular. You've heard the saying, we're all seeking out our 15 minutes of fame. What is it that motivates us? What is it that we long for? Do we long to be successful? Do we long to be popular? Maybe it's happiness that we long for. I just want to be happy. I long for happiness. And so we put our our, our longing into our relationships. I want relationships that will just make me happy. I want more things because in things I can be happy. And we long Long, long for happiness and other things that aren't God. And we can fill in the blank because maybe you don't long for success or popularity or happiness. Maybe it's something else you are longing for. Maybe it's something different. But the question is, is it God? Is it God that you are actually longing for? You see, not all of these things are bad. I like to be happy. I don't wake up in the morning and think, man, I just do not want to be happy today. I don't think that. But are we looking for other things to make us happy rather than God? I don't think it's wrong to want people to like you. I don't want to be a jerk. But is that where I try to find the satisfaction rather than looking for it in God? The problem is we long for these other things more than we long for God. God. And our longing should be for God. It should be to experience God's presence in our life. Above all else, above everything in this world, our desire should be for Him to consume our lives. All these other things are bad, but they are not God. God should be what our desire is. God should be where our longing is. The satisfaction that comes from Him and Him alone, that should be the thing that we want more than anything else. Psalm 119.20 says my soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. And I love this Psalm seventy three twenty five. Whom have I in heaven but you Earth has nothing I desire besides you. Man, that should be our desire. I only want you, God. I only desire you, God. You are what I want. You are what I long for. Your presence in my life, that is what I need. That is what I want. And you see, we go to all these other things thinking that this is the source of fulfillment in our life and the true source of fulfillment in our life only comes through Jesus Christ. All these other things will leave us thirsty, will leave us hungry again. The only true source of fulfillment for our soul is in Jesus Christ. John 7, 37-38 tells us, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and he said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them the Holy Spirit that He gives to us, this flowing water that is within us. But you see, this is the source of fulfillment for our soul. It's only in Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and as they do, I want to ask you this morning to think about it. Have you gone to the source? Have you gone to the source of fulfillment for your soul? Have you gone to the source? If you haven't, I invite you to. I invite you to turn and I invite you to go to the source of true, true spiritual fulfillment. And that is Jesus Christ. And the reason I tell you this, the reason I invite you to do this is by just looking at what it is He's done for us. Of all the reasons that we have to turn to God, there is no greater reason than this. And it comes in 1 Peter 1, verses 18-19. through For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Have you gone to the source? If you haven't this morning, if you've never gone to the source, if you have been looking for fulfillment and other things, it's time this morning to go to the source. That is Jesus Christ. Or maybe you have given your life to Him, and so the question I would ask you this morning, are you longing for God? Are you longing for Him completely? Longing for Him to fill your life? Longing for Him to consume you? Are you longing for the praise that can only come from your lips when you give yourself over to Him truly. And it's so easy right now to get caught in all the things that are going on around us, so many debates, so, many, or so much division, so, much thing, or so many things happening around us right now. And we're longing for all these different things and we're turning to all these different things when really what we should be doing is longing for the presence of God. And so maybe this morning you've lost track, you've lost sight of that, and you've been longing for other things. And maybe this morning you just need to pour out your heart before God and and pray for that, that presence in your life. And long for Him again. And so this morning, if you've never gone to the source, I pray that you would. There's the connect cards and the chairs around you. If you have a decision to make, you can write it down. I'd love to talk with you. Cody would love to talk with you. And if you need to spend time in prayer, just reconnecting, longing for God, I pray that you would do so. But man, our desire above all else, above all things in this world should be for His presence. And so this morning, if you have a decision to make or you need to spend time in prayer, please do so as we stand and we sing.